Morning, guys. Nice to be here today. Looking forward to our time together. And again, thanks for braving the snow. One more time, I'm kind of looking forward to rain this week, is what they say anyhow. But it will be in Mark chapter 12. If you've got your Bible, your Bible app, open up to Mark the 12th chapter. We'll get there in just a bit. You might notice in the back of the bulletin that is last week's outline. Uh, let's just say that we really wanted you to get those notes. Um, uh, if you miss notes, they're actually on the tables, uh, the uh, stools by the post in the back for today's uh, message as well. Uh, all the snow has reminded me of my days as a youth, junior high and high school in Hibbing, Minnesota, northern Minnesota, and it's up in the Iron Range, about 10,000 people in town and about 10,000 bars. Well, one of the things that everybody had in, in northern Minnesota back that day was snowmobiles. Doesn't matter how poor you were, we were actually quite poor, but uh, I won a snowmobile and a department store drawing. I'm pretty sure it was rigged because I was the pastor's kid. But nonetheless, um, I won a skidoo along, which was a smaller skidoo, but everybody had them back then. And I delivered newspapers on my snowmobile. I did that every morning. And uh, every Saturday, we would go out, and uh, my buddies and I would go out riding out wherever we could. And you didn't have to, like, trailer them because there's snow everywhere. Once it started in, at about Halloween, there would be packed snow and ice on the ground up all the way through March, at least back in those days. Well, we're out one Saturday, I'm with my buddies, and we're uh, way out of town, we're at some farmer's field and stuff, you know, it's, it's getting uh, ugly, snow is coming down, and the sun's starting to go down, I'm thinking we should probably turn around and get back fairly soon, but we had lights in these things, we'd often be out past dark anyhow, but uh, my buddies, I had a, a ski along, which is a small one, my top speed was about 62 miles an hour, which is still pretty fast, for a 15-year-old on a snowmobile, but all my buddies are much bigger uh, snowmobiles, and they're way ahead of me. And all of a sudden, next thing I know, I'm, I'm wrapped up in barbed wire. I ran into a barbed wire fence. Now, I actually, while I lived there, there was a kid who did the same thing, and let's just say he lost his head over the experience. But uh, that didn't happen to me. It hit the front of my snowmobile, came up, broke my windshield, and then snapped. Thank God the barbed wire snapped because it, uh, I probably would have died, but it wrapped itself around me. And I don't remember how I got all tangled up, but my buddies are gone. So you picture, snow's coming down, starting to get dark, I'm wrapped up in barbed wire. I still would be there if it weren't for my friends who eventually figured out, you know, Kurt's slow, but he shouldn't be that slow. They came back for me and found me wrapped up in this barbed wire and helped me get unraveled. If I didn't have my buddies, if they weren't there with me, those four or five guys we were out with together, I'm pretty sure I, I could have had all sorts of serious issues, if not frozen to death. We're part two of our series today. Um, called Connect with Others, the value of relationships with others. Last week, I talked about loving God, how first and foremost, our number one primary purpose, it's our number one thing on the wall, and, and, and number one thing we talk about around here all the time is we're to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. But today, we're gonna talk about the purpose and the value of being connected to others because life is meant to be shared with other people. It's meant to be experienced together. And when there is, the good news is, there's a satisfaction and there's fullness to our lives that we can't experience any other way. The series is called Life on Mission. And if you're going to experience a life on mission as an individual, if we're to experience it as a community of faith, then we've got to do it connected to others. In fact, being connected together is not just a concept, it's not just an idea, it's not just a philosophy. It really is something that we're, we're supposed to experience as a way of life as, as the church, as Christ followers. We were connected, be totally and vitally connected to God and to others in meaningful relationships. You and I were made to be connected to God and to be connected to others. Some of us have already figured that out. And today you're thinking, yep, I know that. Thanks for that, Kurt. And I, today, I hope you'll be affirmed, you'll be encouraged. Uh, some of you have already embraced that reality of the value of connection to other people, and today will be a healthy reminder for you. 
Some others, however, uh, tend to withdraw and they get isolated, uh, especially when they're hurt, when they're mad. And maybe life has just thrown you a curve and you may be challenged by what I say because right now you feel pretty isolated. I understand the struggle, but I need to be passionate about the value today and the purpose of really being connected to others. Loving others is the second greatest commandment. It's not optional for us as Christ followers. Mark chapter 12, I had to turn there, let's pick it up in verse 21. Mark 12, 21. Now, a scribe, a religious guy, had asked Jesus, what's number one? What's the most important thing? What's the greatest commandment? Jesus, verse 29 of Mark 12, said, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 30, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. We talked about that last week. If you missed it, please go online and watch. It's foundational to everything we do around here. Jesus said, number one is love God with everything you are. Verse 31, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Jesus made it extremely clear. We are to love God with our all, and then we are to love others. And I love the fact that the guy didn't ask, what's number one or two? He asked, what's the most important thing? But Jesus, knowing that it was at times perhaps easy, especially for religious people in his day as it is in ours, to focus all about this and to forget this. He said, well, here's number one. You're right. Love God with everything, but here's number two. And I don't think Jesus took a breath in between the two. Here's number two. We're to love one another. You cannot love others without connecting to others. Let me say that again. If you're taking notes, write it down. You cannot say you love others without connecting to others because love is not just a feeling. Love is not an emotion. Love is a verb. In the New Testament, when you read the word love, it's not just a philosophy. It's not just a concept. Again, it is an action. It's a verb. And so if we're to love others as we're commanded to love, then there has to be this connection that we have with the people in our world, in our sphere of influence. So what does loving others and connecting to others do for us? One of the things I've learned, I've talked about this before, is that we tend to do the what when we understand the why. We'll do what we need to do when we understand why it's important. So I'm gonna focus today on three reasons why it's important for you to connect to others. And here's the first one. Number one, connection helps us to grow. Connection, let's make it personal, helps you to grow. Find someone in your life who is immature, childish, irresponsible, selfish, foolish, and I'll, I'll, I'll show you someone who has been uh, detached from people and not consistently challenged by others to grow. Because we don't grow in a vacuum, it's impossible. We won't grow to our full potential outside the context of meaningful relationship with others. You will not become the man or the woman God wants you to become outside of the context of relationship with people. We grow and we continue to mature and grow throughout our lives as we are molded and shaped and challenged by others in our life. Let me digress just for a moment and tell you, you know, there's a reason why God put us in a family. Now, I don't know what your family unit looked like. Maybe you were dysfunctional. Maybe you, did, you only had a mom or a single mom or a dad. Uh, maybe you were adopted. I don't know what your situation is. But God's intent was for you to be birthed, born into a family. And the reason for that is because that's the first experience we have of what we're talking about today, connection to others. And it's in that connection with your sibling or siblings, with your parents, it's in those relationships that we grow and mature. That's the idea. Now we, yeah, of course we know that because you don't just, you know, throw a two-month-old baby out in the street and say, hope you can survive. We put them in a family. We put that child in the context of relationship because that's where we grow. That's where a two-year-old learns to share in the context of relationships with his or her siblings. That's where we learn to respect and honor authority. That's where we learn to, to connect and resolve conflict. Anybody ever have conflict in your family? Anybody at all? 
But here's a little insight. That's, that's the plan. Conflict can be good. I know we avoid it like the plague, but that's where we develop and learn how to, to negotiate and to compromise and to, to be selfless and to serve one another. It happens in the context of family. It happens for children. It happens for adults. But listen, it, it's a lifelong process. You know, well, I'm growing up now. I don't, I'm, I'm not in a family. I'm, I'm all by myself. No, nope. we continue to be molded and shaped and challenged in the context of relationships. Proverbs 27, 17. Solomon says, as iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. I love that verse. So practical. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Ever sharpened anything before? It, a lot of sparks can fly. It's not necessarily a pretty process, but the end result is good. The end result is good. We need people. We need others in our lives to challenge us, to help us mature, to grow, to sharpen us. One of my oldest and dearest friends, a guy named Rick Coffin. One of the reasons why I love Rick is that he's got a weirder last name than I do. Uh, Coffin is not something I want to be named. But uh, anyhow, uh, the, Rick, we go all the way back to high school. And uh, right now he works with the pastors in India. Uh, he's a missionary and works with the church leaders over there. But for a while in my late 20s, Rick was my boss. I worked for him and he was a good friend, but it's also my boss. One of the things I love about Rick is that he always had this uncanny ability to see God-given potential in people. He would see someone and recognize that God had given this person a gift or a calling or something unique to do. He saw it, and he just would fan that flame, and he would encourage them. And he saw something in me. And there were times that Rick made me really, really mad because he would challenge me. He wasn't that much older than me, but he was much older in terms of experience and wisdom. And Rick helped me to grow. And I am not the pastor, would not be the pastor I am today without his influence in my late 20s. Yes, sometimes it was painful. Yes, sometimes it was hard on him. I was hard on him. But I thank God for the influence that guy had in my life. I needed Rick. And I could give you a hundred stories, a thousand stories of men and women just like that who had influence in me and still do. The writer of Hebrews put it this way, Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider. Let's give some thought to this. Let's weigh this. Let's process this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I love this passage. Let's give some thought to how we may spur. Now, the word spur there in the New Testament, sometimes in some of your translations, if you've got a, a, a different translation than the NIV, it might be to provoke or to stimulate or to incite. Uh, they're all strong words. I happen to like the, the NIV's use of the word spur here because I'm a word picture guy. I like the picture of, of, of something or someone getting spurred on. And it's actually a picture. The word is the same word they would use where someone riding a goat, no, you don't ride a goat, Riding a camel or a, a donkey or riding a horse, you would spur that animal on. Anybody ride, ridden horses before? What do you do? You get a little kick. Now, it's not abusive. It's not to, to uh, offend and abuse the animal. It's to spur the animal on. And that's the same word that's used here. Interestingly enough, it really is. We are to not be abusive to one another, but we are to spur one another on. That again, it doesn't mean you get to ride somebody abusively or in an unhealthy way. But it does mean that you've got friends in your life and, they, and, and they've got you in their life and we need from time to time to kick each other in the tush, to kick each other in the side, to spur one another on. Why? Because that's how we grow. Connection promotes growth, spiritual, emotional, mental growth. It, can, it promotes growth in our lives. Here's the second thing. Not only does it help us to grow and mature, but it also helps us to stay strong in the battle. Number two, connection helps us to stay the course. 
Connection helps you to stay the course, to stay pure, to stay holy, to grow spiritually, to become everything God wants you to be, and to really keep your nose clean in the process. In other words, being connected helps us stay out of trouble, and we need that help. I won't make you raise your hand, but I guarantee you that every one of us has been in situations where we realize if somebody hadn't stepped in and, and, and had a, a, a firm word with me, a strong word reminding me, challenged me, I might have, who knows what I might have done, how stupid a thing I might have done. We need the benefit of mutually accountable relationships. And again, sometimes when someone speaks the truth, we get angry and we get irritated and we want to hurt them, I know. Sometimes when someone challenges us to grow, we get insecure or defensive. Or we bolt in fear, we react relationally in relationally damaging ways. I know, connection is not always easy and fun. If you haven't heard that, let me make it very, very clear. It's not always easy and it's not always fun, but it's always, always good for us. We like to think that we don't need anybody. We try to convince ourselves that we can make it on our own. I hear this from people all the time. I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm a man, I'm mature, I've got this figure, I'm a, you know, we act like we really don't need the help of others. Our culture, in fact, promotes this rugged independence. I mean, I could give a list of, of you know, Superman, Wolverine, Wonder Woman, all these people that we try to make heroes out of them and we think only the weak people need help. I'm not weak, I'm strong, I can do this on my own. But regardless of how much our world idolizes and makes heroes out of the macho, independent, tough guys or gals, the truth is we were made to be interdependent and not independent. Let me say that again. You and I were made, we were created to be interdependent, not independent. I had this stool brought up because I wanted to illustrate because I like word pictures again. This stool is secure and I could sit on it even being a bit on the large side right now because it has four legs that support each other. If it only had three and one of them was missing, I would not be surviving the, the sit on this stool right now. And the picture here is interdependence. Every piece of the stool plays a part, and that's what God wants for you. We need to be inter interconnected, meaningfully connected to others. And so let me give you a definition for interdependence. Here it is. It means equally supported and connected in a mutually beneficial way. I'll say it again. It means to be equally supported and connected in a mutually beneficial way. It's not codependency where I need to be needed. It's not something that's unhealthy in any factor. It's mutually dependent relationship where my connection is good for me and it's good for them. That's the intent, that's the plan. Now that means at times, I'm gonna need you more than you need me, and you're gonna need me more than, you, than, than I need you. But this mutually dependent relationship is where we are connected to each other in a way that helps us to become the men and women God wants us to be, and to stay the course, to stay holy, to stay pure, to stay out of trouble. Listen again to the wisdom of Solomon on this issue. Ecclesiastes 4, verse nine and 10. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls, now the first part of that, we go, yeah, two people working is always better than one, because it's you know, half the labor, many hands make light labor work, or whatever the phrase is. But I love verse 10, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity, I can't resist to go, pity the fool, but some of you have no idea who that is. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Pity the person who falls down and doesn't have somebody, a brother, a sister, some friend there to say, man, let me help you back up. The Bible says that two people are more productive and better protected against trouble, and they're far more, far more likely to get out of trouble when it happens when they have support to each other. This last summer, my wife and I had uh, about a week or so, 10 days of vacation in San Clemente. It's my second favorite place on the planet. I love Maui best of all. 
But San Clemente is just fun. It's, it's a smaller town. It's quaint. It's got a pier. It's got a great beach. We have some friends that have a condo there that make it really cheap and affordable for us. And I just love going to San Clemente. But we were down there. So let's pop down to Oceanside and visit my old stomping ground. I helped plant a church there many years ago. And we went to Oceanside Pier. And we're walking along. There's a, there's a, a promenade, a, a small road that runs right next to the beach. I mean, ocean, beach, road. And then there's a row of, uh, of houses and, and apartments and condos. My dad, his last three years of his life, he lived right there. He loved the beach, and he literally died in the studio apartment right there on, on the beach in Oceanside. So I was, you know, being sentimental, as I am, and a little emotional, and, and we're taking pictures, and my wife took a picture of me standing in front of my dad's place. Why? I don't know. And I'm, but was, I'm thinking, and then I told my wife, I said, honey, you remember, remember Bill, just three houses down, in a much nicer house, Bill had a lot of money. Big home, he owned the whole thing. It was a guy named Bill. I don't know if he's still there, but Bill and my dad were buddies. And my dad, as, as you've heard me tell, or if you've read up my book, my dad was a recovering alcoholic and prescription drug addict for many years of his life. Last three years of his life, he lived there. Bill was a recovering alcoholic. And their connection relationship really was mutually beneficial. To this day, I, I, I haven't seen Bill. I may not see him until we get to heaven. But I'm grateful for that man because I know that he was there to help my dad, and my dad actually helped him. That a mutually beneficial relationship, a connection that, that was good for both of them. God wants us to live lives that are interconnected with others in meaningful ways because it helps us to stay out of trouble. It helps us to stay clean and pure. We need each other. And by the way, if you're thinking, well, yeah, that's fine if you're a recovering alcoholic or drug addict. I know they, they need support groups. No, listen, we all need help. We all need support. We all need a group of people that will stand with us and hold us accountable. Here's the third thing, number three. Let's move on. Connection helps us to survive in valleys of despair. It not only helps us to grow, and helps us to stay clean, but it will help you to survive, literally to survive in valleys of despair. Honestly, and I wanna be honest with you, even the most confident and mature among us can take a spiritual and emotional beating from time to time. We all get bruised. We all have mean and harsh things happen to us. None of us is exempt from hard times, hard days, maybe hard decades. <laughs> Some of us have been through a lot. And there's nothing absolutely nothing more timely or helpful to our survival than an encouraging word from a friend. Here at staff um, at East Point, when we have our staff meetings, we always start with, it's just something we've done from the beginning, with what I call 511 moments, not 911 moments, you know, where it's emergency, not 411, it's just information. It's 511. It comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Here's the 511. Paul wrote, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Do you realize that if we just lived this verse out every day in all our relationships, how radically that would impact? I mean, think about it. If you practice this every day with your children, practice every day with your spouse, practice every day with your employees, practice every day with maybe even your boss who you can't stand. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. It's powerful, the, 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 the power in our lips and our words. You know, I have a few men in my life who have been there for me through incredible difficulties. Some of them go back decades. Joe Whitmer and I have been friends for 42 years, and he's a pastor of, of Life Center, and he is my pastor and a friend. that I just, We had dinner, uh, lunch together not too long ago. And I can give you a list of men who have been there. Now, my wife is that person for me. She always speaks encouragement into my life, and she's there for me. But I'll be honest with you. There's a part of me as a guy thinking, well, you're my wife. You should be encouraging you know, or, or yeah, I know, honey, thanks, you're, you, but you're a little biased because, you know, you live with me. 
But, but, and I, I value that. I don't mean to undermine that at all. But what I want you to hear me say is that there's something to having a, a relationship with a guy if you're a guy or with another gal. You get what I mean. There's that connection you have that really changes us and helps us, encourages us. And I can't imagine my life without my wife. I can't imagine my life without these dear, lifelong friends of mine. And here's my hope. Here's my hope and prayer for you. I pray that you've got somebody like that or a group of somebody's like that in your life. People who've got your back. People who take a bullet for you. I hope and pray that you're, that you're like that in someone else's life as well. And here's why, because I've never met in my life a person who resents being encouraged. Ever. Nobody's like, man, I wish you'd stop encouraging me. That just really makes me mad. <laughs> never heard that from anybody. And for some of us, like me, where our love language is words of affirmation or words of appreciation, we, we soak it up. Even if it's not your love language, though, maybe some other aspect of, of the relationship blesses you more. Everybody, everybody appreciates being appreciated. Everybody values affirmation and support. And everybody needs a kind and encouraging word, especially when times are tough. Here's your homework assignment this week. I want you to find, make, and be intentional about it. I love that word, intentionality. Look for somebody tomorrow. Don't make this later on the week. Look for somebody tomorrow. I don't care if it's the barista at the drive-thru, if it's the, well, the post office would be closed, but somebody at the grocery store. I don't, I don't care who. Look for some person tomorrow that you can speak an encouraging word to. Just say something kind to them. You don't have to even know them. You don't even have to know their name. Look for some person and say something kind and encouraging to them and watch them light up. Watch them respond. It could change their life. It could change their day for certain. Let's become encouragers to others and let's pray that God will give us encouragement from others as well. It's the blessing of connection. Without a doubt, we need each other. And if we are to become strong, mature, healthy people, the people God wants us to become, that we need connection. We need the support, the love, the affirmation, the appreciation of others in our life. And it's okay. I know that sometimes it's hard to get connected. Hard because we've had some past painful experiences. When I was writing this talk this week, I, I, I thought of some of you. And I realized that some of you have been through extremely difficult times. You've, you've been disappointed by someone you trusted. You've been betrayed by a friend or family member. You've been hurt by someone you love. Maybe you've been let down by a lot of people and this whole thing about being connected and appreciation, right now you're, you're in that valley of despair or you're really, really angry, one of two extremes. I admit that connection has its risk. I know it's not always easy. And I know if you're sitting here thinking, nobody loves me, nobody cares about me, I know how difficult that is, but I stand on this conviction that to do what we must do, it takes connection with others. And so no matter what it takes, no matter what the cost, no matter how hard it is, we need to be connected because the alternative is far worse. God doesn't want any Christian hermits. That's not his plan at all. He doesn't want you to live isolated because nothing good, listen to me, and I'll stand on this to my last breath, nothing good comes out of being isolated. Nothing holy ever comes out of being detached from others. We need people. We need them to help us grow. We need them to help us stay clean and pure and to stay the course. We need them to help us survive. We need others in our lives. And that's God's plan, his intent. I'll tell you one last story and then give you one final challenge and I'll wrap this up. My brother Kevin and I uh, are just 11 months apart. In fact, I throw a picture up, I'll show a picture of my brother Kev. Uh, he's a missionary with his wife Catherine in Mozambique and uh, I just love him a lot. He's a miniature version of me, looks a lot like me, you may have noticed. 
Uh, but that's him uh, in Mozambique with a bunch of kids, and I love him dearly. But you don't know about my, my brother Kevin. You've maybe heard me talk about the fact that he's a missionary, but uh, we grew up in a home where we moved a lot. Uh, I, it, it, from zero to 18, I lived in six different states. I went to uh, something like eight different schools. I don't even know how many homes we lived, how many different neighborhoods we lived in. And part of the, uh, I call it the, the, the result of excessive mobility, is that you tend to, uh, by nature, you, you isolate. It's like you, you, after you've made good friends, you've had to say goodbye, and then you make good friends, you have to say goodbye. Third time around, you're like, yeah, I don't think I'm gonna make any good friends because it's painful, it's hard to say goodbye to people. And my, by nature, you, this may surprise some of you, I'm an introvert, I really am. I, I, crowds drain me, <laughs> um, I love you guys, but you drain me. Uh, uh, being around people all the time is not how I get fueled up. I, what fuels me up is a, a good book, a cup of coffee, and being alone. That's, and that is, by definition, an introvert. And probably some of that came out of the, the, my experience as a childhood. But you know what I love about my mom is that everywhere we go, my mama would encourage me. And she would say, honey, you, you need to make friends. It's, it's okay. Take the risk, make friends. I said, well, I, I, no, nobody wants to reach out to me. And she would tell me, I remember my mama telling me, she said, just go to the lunchroom, and when you walk in, find the kid that's sitting all by himself and go befriend that kid. Go, go connect with that kid. And she was right. There's a guy, a kid that doesn't know anybody else, or he's the nerd, or he's, nobody likes him. So I'd reach, hey, my name's Kurt Boopna. That's kind of weird, huh? And I'm the new guy here, and we'd make a friendship. And the, the, the truth is, I have friends all over the country and all over the world because I learned how to just take responsibility for connecting to others. But I also learned this, and I'm reading this picture of my brother Kevin, is that Kevin was there for me. He's 11 months younger than me. We were literally almost all of our years of school. I, I don't want to offend anybody, but it's just, my name is Boobna. I was big boob, he was little boob. <laughs> so that was our nickname, and uh, we carried that. It didn't matter, it's so funny. We wouldn't even tell people that. We'd show up in another school and, hey, you're Boobnas. Oh, you're bigger, big boob and little boob. It's like, all right, whatever. But my, Kevin, my brother, was always there for me. See, one of the things I learned in that excessive mobility is that we have to take, listen, we, you, have to take personal responsibility for connection. If you're sitting here right now and you're thinking, nobody cares about me, nobody loves me, nobody wants to be my friend, get off your duff and go find somebody else who's just like you, who doesn't know anybody, who doesn't have a friend. Reach out, connect, go to the meet and eat and find people and walk in there and find somebody sitting at the table by themselves and say, can I join you? Get involved in life groups. We've got tons of them. Go back and see Teresa afterwards. Ladies, find a way. Get involved in serving. Serve in Adventure Line. Serve in Awana. Serve in the Connections Team. Ooh, what a great idea. Connect in the Connections Team. You guys have plenty of opportunities, but you've got to take personal responsibility. Step out. Take the risk and do it. And then when you've got that person in your life, like my brother Kevin was for me, thank God for them. Thank God for the connection that they have in your life. Because my brother Kevin's always been there for me, always has been there for me. Who's there for you? We were made to be in vital and meaningful relationships with others. It's what God plans for us. It's his intent. Bow your heads, let me pray for you. Jesus, when you came, you drew a group of men around you and you connected to them, you walked with them, you lived life with them. And you modeled for them what it meant to be in relationships. And then you instituted, you began this thing called the church, the body of Christ. And you sent your disciples to go into all the world and not just to evangelize and to bring people into faith, which is important because that's where we love God first. 
but you call us to love one another and to be a community of love, a community of connection. And Lord, I, I pray, I'm, I'm, two things right now. First, I pray that for individuals that are sitting in this room or watching online and they don't have that kind of vital, meaningful connection with others, that you would challenge them today to take personal responsibility, to reach out, to get engaged, to take the risk. And I pray, Lord, that you would give them those relationships that you intended, that you planned for them. Do that for them as individuals. And then, Lord, as a church, as a community of faith, I pray, Lord, that we would get better at being in a place of embracing and connecting with others, even those that are not like us, even those from very different uh, social demographic backgrounds, different political backgrounds, that we would see, Lord, that what we share in common is that we, we serve one God, one Lord, one King, and that we're one church, and that we would love each other in that way. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a minute. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet started your life as a Christ follower. You know, living on planet Earth is hard. Living without God, I don't know how anybody does it. I tried, didn't work for me. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, I, it doesn't bother me at all to say I need God, I need a Savior. Are you there? Are you ready to say, yeah, I need Jesus, I need a Savior, I need more than what I've got on my own? Are you here today and you're ready to say yes to Jesus and begin your life as a Christ follower? I'm not gonna do anything to embarrass you, to sing you out, but I'm gonna pray a very simple prayer. What I'm gonna ask you to do is to make this prayer yours. If this is you, this is your desire, today's the day, you just know and you know her, you know in your gut, yep, time for me to, to get in, gauge, to get in relationship with God, to accept what Jesus did for me on that cross. If that's you today, just make this prayer yours right now. Father, thank you for sending Jesus I get it, he came because I need a savior. I need forgiveness, I need grace. So I embrace what Jesus did for me on that cross. I believe, I believe in him. I believe he came and died, I believe, believe he rose again. And I believe that the best course for my life, for my eternity is to right now choose to follow you and so I do. I say yes God, I'm gonna follow you. Yes Jesus, I'm gonna follow you from here into eternity, I'm yours. Thank you for loving me. And right here and right now, in this moment in my heart, I declare my love for you. I love you. I love you, Jesus. Now, if that's your heart, that's your desire, and you're always to say, yep, God, that's me. That's what I want. And that Bible says, the Word says, that that moment you say yes, that moment you become a child of God. And listen, you're a child in the family of God. You're part of us now. Thank you, Lord. Seal that in our hearts. I pray it in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. We're gonna finish with a song that we, uh, we do quite a bit around here. It's a great song about the amazing grace of God. Some of you just experienced that. We all experienced it at some point. Let's worship the Lord. Matthew ushers to come and take the offering right now as well. Get, uh, gang, if you come up and take the offering this time, let's worship the Lord. We'll wrap this up. One of the things I love about East Point is that we uh, wanna make it really easy for you to take the next step. Today, meet and eat over in lobby to there, pancakes, hang out, get to know some people. Today, one o'clock, we've got EP 101 in the family room, 201 on the Xbox, another way to get connected. There's lots of ways for you to, to serve, um, get involved. I want you to stop by and see Teresa, our women's pastor, the booth ladies, and get find out there. There's on the tables, Life Fruit Connection uh, flyers. There's plenty of ways for you to take the risk, to take the step, to get outside of your little bubble, your circle, and to get connected to others. We want to encourage you to do that. 
Today, if you begin your life as Christ follower, we've got a plastic bag, it's got a Bible, so that you can get started and walk with Jesus. It's on the tables by the doors. Out at the information booth in the lobby, if you're a guest today, I'd love to give you a copy of my first book, Epic Grace. Take it as free, just to give you a little insight on who we are, who I am, where we've come from. So you can pick one of those up. Prayer team would be down front. There's communion available on both sides of the room. And the last thing I wanted to say was go Seahawks, but since I can't, let's say go Cowboys. Bye-bye. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here.